special episode edition of the Tony G Show. It is our draft special. We have our NFL draft specialist. He doubles as our college football specialist in the building today. This is the Tony G Show, season 8, episode number 23. This is our NFL draft preview show. And for that, as I mentioned, we brought in our expert, Matthew Swanson. Hi, Matt. Thanks for coming around today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tone. It's a bit of a throwback atmosphere mm-hmm. because Will's here. I'm here. Matt's here. We're in SNC Radios today. We're not in Tony G Studios. We are in SNC Radio Studios today to get all three microphones in here. So it's kind of a throwback feel. You know, all we need is Matthew Weaver to walk through the door, and it's going to be like a core four reunion from he, freshman year. He's here, actually, too. He's visiting today. Get the heck out of he here. He's right? on yeah. campus. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> a little bit of a core four reunion yeah. on the uh, campus of St. Norbert College today. What do you say? We get into it, the good stuff. We brought it in with the football music. And that's because today is a very special day. We're talking about soccer. We're not talking about soccer. Will's dreams are not fulfilled yet that we are talking about soccer. But we will talk about football. The NFL draft is today. I'm a baseball guy, so I like baseball. I like the Super Bowl. I like March Madness. But this is like one of the funnest times of the year. Because everybody speculates over mock drafts, prospects, and who's going where. And really, at the end of the day, nobody knows anything. (laughs) But here we are. We're going to give our speculation. Matt? I'm going to ask you, we're going to have three segments just like a usual show. In segment number one, I want you to go through your one through ten in the NFL draft. Then in segment number two, we're going to go through the Green Bay Packers' first five or so picks. You know, they have five picks in the first three rounds. And then to conclude the show with the segment of, I want you to rank the quarterbacks in the draft, or at least the top five, top six that are name worthy in this draft. So that is our schedule for today. That's mm-hmm. the show plan. Well, Swan, before we get into our introduction, I want you to introduce yourself. I know that, and I said this on Tuesday's episode, Uh, I went solo and I was talking about Thursday's show, and I was really selling you, but I meant it, it wasn't like I was was faking it or anything like that, like I was really hyping you up because of the experience that you have, and I'm like, you know, I'll just kind of repeat what I said, paraphrase it, I was like, you know, yeah, he's one of my college buddies, so it's not just, but it's more than just me bringing on a friend onto my podcast and just to talk, you are someone who absolutely, I mean... I don't want to say lives and breathes this because you're, you know, you got a lot going on. But this is something you take really personal. You are so in depth and you are so detail oriented when it comes to pro- to prospects. You're involved in things, and you've had experience interning for the Hula Bowl, and you really know your prospects inside and out. Yeah. So, is there anything else I should I should clip onto here? Tell me about some of your experiences and, and what you've done. Oh uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess to start with the Hula Bowl, um, that was a great experience. I was down in Florida, basically leading up to that, it was 14 weeks of me strictly writing reports, going to college football stadiums, networking with people from all different walks of life, um, from different positions in football organizations. And it was one heck of an experience. And I'm so incredibly blessed to have had that opportunity and to have worked with the people that I did. With that though, however, I really got a real taste for what it takes to be an NFL scout and what it takes to be a college football, say, director of player personnel or recruiter in that sense because you're focused on throughout the week you're writing reports and then you're heading to stadiums and then you're trying to get a detailed, accurate composition that's supposed to back up your reports but it's also supposed to back up your assurances of the player from a player standpoint and from an individual standpoint off the field. So basically what happened was you'd go to those games, you'd evaluate the player in warm-ups, take a video, promote them, 
through the Hula Bowl on Twitter and social media. And then our job was then to confirm our intuition and confirm our opinions of the players that we scouted. So again, great opportunity. I work with some amazing people and I wouldn't have the opportunity without Scott Phillips and Damon Talbot, who are my two bosses, two great individuals who I learned a lot from. Uh, And again, like I said, incredibly blessed with the experience and with the ability as a college student to work with not only college football teams and in the college football atmosphere, but with NFL personnel people as well. I've asked you this before. We've had conversations about this before, but I, I'll just confirm these intuitions or, or re, touch base and, and kind of bring us up to speed on where you're at. So this is what you want to do for a living, right? Eventually, like that would be the goal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Scouting. What's your degree in? Uh, business administration and okay. economics. Right now. Interesting. Does so. that does that at all play into scouting? I have no idea what type. Of, like, there's not a scouting degree you can go get. Right? No, there's so. not. And here's the thing: is you talk to ninety nine. 100, 105, I'm just throwing out random numbers here, (laughs) scouts, you're going to get all different answers Mm. as to what it takes to get to that level. It's all about who you know and the connections you make. So, for example, I took up the Hula Bowl. That was an experience. I've developed a relationship with Dan Zagers from the Cleveland Browns. He's now a really good friend of mine who I just like to sit down and talk to. Um, Great person. It's, It's a mystery as to how you get into the NFL. It really is, or into a college football program because you have to put in the work and you have to have the experience to back it up. And right now, that's what I'm working on. You're right, you can't get a degree, but you can get a degree in experience. So that's basically what it takes to get to that level. Wisdom from Matt Swanson. I can't wait. Speaking about the wisdom from Matt, I can't wait to see what he has to say about upcoming prospects in the NFL draft. It's our preview show. We got Matt Swan in the house. This is the Tony G Show. You are listening to the eighth and final season of the Tony G Show. Eight seasons of laughs, memories, and sports are coming to an end. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Check out more from Tony G at TonyGNation.com. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's your host, Tony G. Segment number one, Swan, I want to go through. You're going to say your pick and then we're going to analyze it for a brief second and go on to the next one we're going to do this for the first 10 picks in the nfl draft the first 10 teams that are as it stands right now before trades and whatever we don't usually predict trades but if there is one that you want to predict go ahead go right for it the 10 teams that we have slated right now jaguars lions texans jets giants panthers giants again falcons seahawks jets again that is our top 10 Okay. Let's start with the number one overall. And this is going to be widely debated. This has been widely debated for months and months since the college football season concluded. Are you going Aiden Hutchinson or Cavon Thibodeau? Neither. Really? Get out. Come on now. And I, I hate to say I'm buying the hype because I really think Hutchinson should go here. And I think that's undoubtedly so. I, I think out of all the players in college football this past season, he had the most productive season in college football, not in history, but in the history that I can remember. He's one of the most dominant defensive players to play the game. I'm buying the Trayvon Walker hype. Really? Yeah. Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher out of Georgia. Yeah. Why is that? I'm buying it because of his arm length, and I'm also buying it because of his twitch. So what I see in him is he's a lot more fluid in his hips. 
and his ability to move. His arm length is also three inches longer than Hutchinson. So he's got 35 and a half inch arms, and I think Aiden Hutchinson's is 32 and a quarter or 32 and a half. Um, I'm not sure. There's a little discrepancy there. But when you're looking at the number one overall pick, you're not only looking for a floor guy, a guy with a high floor, you're looking for a guy with an incredibly high ceiling. And in my mind, Walker has a higher ceiling than Hutchinson. Wow. Now, this isn't to say that Hutchinson doesn't have a ceiling, because he does. And I, I can't stand when people say that Hutchinson is a lot closer to his ceiling than Walker. In a sense, that's true, but Hutchinson still has a lot of untapped potential. And Hutchinson reminds me a lot of Jared Allen from the Vikings a sure. long time ago. Yeah. I don't know. I just look at him and I see the energy that he brings and the attitude. He's kind of like a rah-rah guy. Um, I love him to death. And if I was Jacksonville, that's who I'd pick overall. I'd pick Hutchinson first. Looking at Jacksonville and what they have on their roster, it's more like they need defense at the moment compared to some of the offensive weapons. So they're, they, they're a young offense. They're an unproven offense. But I think as time goes on, they'll start to prove themselves and understand how the NFL works. Right now they need defense. And this is a defense-heavy draft. I mean, there's a lot of front seven guys as well as wide receivers on the other side if you're looking offensively. So that's predominantly what the positioning is going to be. Now, interesting that we went with Walker. I like the hot take in going with someone who people don't have in the top five going in the first overall pick. So with that, who's number two? Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson to the Detroit Lions. They're running to the podium with this card, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's if a, he falls, yeah. He is a Detroit guy, a Dan Campbell guy, a culture changer, and that's ultimately what Jacksonville needs in itself, too. But, went, to, went to Michigan. Yeah. He has those Detroit-Michigan roots. Yeah. I think, for me, I'd have Hutchinson go number one overall. Okay. But I like the fact that he could fall to two. If, if he were to fall to two, I would say that it would be Thibodeau to go f- number one overall. So it would be one of those two. That's who I have. But I liked, like I said, I like you bringing in Walker. So with that, who is number two overall? Walker and Hutchinson off the board. Or excuse me, who is number three? Hutchinson and Walker off the board, Texans. Okay, so we're going to go with Houston here. We're going to go with Ika Maquanu, mm, okay. the tackle out of NC State. Yep. Big guy, nasty as heck. Um, he's just created a lot of hype in this draft process in terms of his athletic ability and his ability to move people off the ball, both in the run game and in the pass game. Um, I'd say more so the run game, you're moving people off the ball, obviously. But he's just got that high ceiling, that potential, and he's got the versatility of playing guard, too, as well. So that's why I like him playing here. That way, if Houston feels more comfortable maybe moving him inside, typically guards don't go this high, and if you're going to pick a guy to be a tackle, you're going to pick him to be a tackle. You saw it with Rashawn Slater last year in the Chargers, and he has panned out to be a phenomenal person. Last year I pegged him as my number one overall tackle, and that turned out ahead of Panay Sewell. So I'd say Ike Maquanu is pick number three. I have an interesting question here, but I'll save it until another name goes off the board. So we have the first three off. Number four, the New York Jets. With the Jets, I'm going to go with Sauce Gardner. Okay. They're deeply in need of a corner. There's a lot of questions involving Makai Becton right now. If you've heard, there's questions about his willingness to play. How much I'm buying into that, I don't know. But it seems like their offensive line is in a lot better shape than it was a couple years ago with the drafting of Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker last year. 
So I'm going to have to go. They're going to have to improve their secondary, and I'm going to have to go with Sauce Gardner in this sense. Long, lanky corner out of Cincinnati. Fluid hips. He's been a shutdown corner in college football and has played really well. I don't see how you can pass on him if you're New York. Sauce Gardner, also known as Ahmad Gardner. That is from one New York team to the next New York team, the Giants with the number five overall pick. I think this is the name you're looking for here, Tone. Might be. I think we're looking at Evan Neal, offensive tackle, That's Alabama. Yes. So what separates Neal and Ekwonwu? I think Ekwonwu's versatility um, is number one. I'd say that is probably the first priority, and I'd sure. say athleticism too. I, For a big man, Evan Neal is incredible, and I cannot stress that enough, and I'm not knocking him at all. But Ike McQuanu's feet, especially after contact and his ability to power through defenders following that initial hit, is really something that people are attracted to, and his nastiness too is another thing. And Neal has a little bit of that in his game too. So honestly, if you're going to pick one or the other, you honestly can't go wrong. To me, these are the two surefire picks in this draft if you were to look at people and say, hey, let me pick two guys that are really going to pan out, but these two are electric and they're going to be really, really good pros. We are five picks in. Let's transition to the Carolina Panthers. So the run on tackles continues. We're going to hit Charles Cross Wow, really? at six. And here, I don't know about you guys, but... I think I can see Carolina trading down in this sense. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of rumors about them liking a quarterback and Kenny Pickett, and I can back that up by saying that Matt Rule is under a lot of tension right now yes, in Carolina. Yep. And that causes a lot of GMs and a lot of people to reach, especially when they're in need of job security because that QB, in a sense, gives them another couple of years to say, hey, this guy needs to develop. We have, we're invested in this guy. Give him a shot with our scheme and our offense. So um, this is a potential trade down spot where somebody could jump up and grab somebody like Thibodeau or Derek Stingley per se, or even Malik Willis if you're looking at a quarterback because that position's up in the air as well. Um, but right now I'm going to have to go with Charles Cross, really fluid athlete on the outside, Probably not the most powerful offensive tackle you're looking at in this class, but he's got great feet, great mobility. If you look at his combine drills, phenomenal footwork. Just a guy that slides effortlessly, light feet. He's a lot quicker on his feet than Neil, but again, he's not as big and he doesn't have that frame to compensate for those deficiencies. Three consecutive offensive tackles going what did we have at four, five, and six? Jets, Giants, Panthers. The Giants are up again at number seven as it stands right now. Who do they go with? I think right here you're going Kavon Thibodeau. So you're number one overall oh. guy. Is there anything that says to you that panics you because he's going to fall to seven? Like when you see that, many people have him and Hutchinson going one or two, and you're not afraid to make the the hot take and make the unpredictable um, take at, at at a or a pick at a certain one or two spot. So what helps you justify Thibodeau falling to the Giants at 7? What helps me justify him falling to 7 is his ability to play the run. Okay. And he's a little bit thinner than Walker and Hutchinson. Um, he's a little bit leaner, so he might have to build that upper or lower body strength. Excuse me. He's lean. He's everything you look for in a modern-day defensive Absolutely. end. It's just all about what you like and what you prefer. And to be honest with you, the discrepancies between Hutchinson, Walker, and Thibodeau yeah. are not 
huge. I was just thinking that same thing to myself. They yeah. all are athletic and dominant presence presence have that presence in their defense. And I mean they are quick and strong and like you said they're long as well. They're lean. I mean these are guys that are you know and a lot of people have them going one and two and then Walker down still in the top 10 but farther back in the draft. But it's like, you know, you're right. Yeah. Any one of these three can go at any time because they're all going to be stars in this yeah, league. Yeah, and I, I'd say effort, too. Uh, Thibodeau has some concerns about taking plays off, and from the stuff that I've watched, I don't buy into that as much as some people that are now trying to create that pre-draft smoke screen to help players fall to them. Yeah. Um, but if you ever watched Hutchinson, man, or Walker, I mean, it is all out all the time. They're chasing backs five yards down the field, on the sidelines, everywhere, left and right, endless motors. And Thibodeau... Again, just as talented, just as fast, just as quick, has that ability to be that player. It's just a matter of, okay, when are you going to become that guy and when are you going to build that mindset? We are seven picks in. Giants have picked twice, but now we're going to head down south. Atlanta with the Falcons at number eight. Who do they take? Garrett Wilson. Really? Wide receiver, Ohio State. Now we're getting into this big wide receiver heavy draft. What makes Garrett Wilson number one? The first wide receiver, I should say. I, I think his ability to play in the slot. So you're looking at Kyle Pitts as a wide tight end slash wide receiver, a very unique and unicorn-esque talent in the NFL. That's what a lot of people are calling him. He's a very, very prominent pass catcher with intangibles like, with the likes of Calvin Johnson. Now, right. am I saying he is Calvin Johnson? <laughs> no, but he runs like him for a big guy and he's got size and he's a guy that's going to develop and continue to be a dominant force in the league I believe if he can stay healthy so what you need is you need a guy to cut up the defense you're losing Calvin Ridley this season for yeah. his betting scandal you're also you left um oh man I Julio, can't remember his name Julio right Jones now. is a couple years removed from him yeah exactly and then yeah. their slot receiver that they had been developing moved on to the Buccaneers is Russell Gage um just a guy that Honestly, had a lot of potential, and he's going to have a lot of potential at in Tampa Bay, and he's probably going to do really well. So you have to fill that void there in the sense of both Ridley and Gage being gone from the slot. Doesn't it concern you, though, that the Falcons offloaded Matt Ryan to Indianapolis, and now they're kind of left with this rebuild mode? And you, It just seems to me that there is... There's a lot of work left to do in Atlanta. Million-dollar question, Tom. It is, it is. It absolutely is. So is this, you make this pick, and I, there's no point in re-asking the question, because you make this pick to be the rebuild mode, yeah, to start this rebuild mode, or to try and kickstart Atlanta into com- com- competition. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Also, I just want to ask you guys this question. Do you think Atlanta could go quarterback here? Do you think they're a dark horse team for Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett? I do. I think, uh, I like Kenny Pickett the most, and we'll get to that in the quarterback session, but... I do think they go quarterback in this first round. A lot of people have Malik Willis going number, uh, not number one overall, but being the first quarterback out of the draft. And so I do think that they go quarterback with this number eight overall pick. There's a couple things too. I mean, considering, I know we're not talking about trades here in this mock, but there will be a quarterback trade. Oh yeah. I would guess quite a few with a couple of these teams having, is it the Giants who have two picks in the top 10? I mean, Maybe they trade back. They give up one of their picks for exactly. a surefire quarterback that's in the league right both now. Both New York teams, Giants and Jets, both have two top ten picks. So I think that's 
that's more than likely going to happen. For right. sure. The the top of this draft, even at one, I mean, we don't even know who's going first this year. Mm-hmm. Like last year, there, there's no guaranteed guy. So the volatility of this draft is going to be ridiculous. And people have said that before in previous drafts, but this is the one year where I truly believe it. So we've been through the first eight. Now in the ninth pick, we'll head to the Seattle Seahawks. Where do they go after an offseason where they got rid of Russell Wilson? Pretty much the only thing that fans can hang their hat on is DK Metcalf, especially after Bobby Wagner left the team as well in the organization. Where did the Seahawks go at nine? I think you're comfortable right now, in a sense, with Drew Locke at quarterback and potentially waiting next year for C.J. Stroud Mm. or Bryce Young. I don't know, other than Malik Willis or maybe Desmond Ritter, if there's a quarterback that fits that same style as Wilson. Maybe Matt Corral, too, who's also a very, he's a shorter style quarterback. He's about 6'1", 6'2", give or take. Great arm, great intermediate to short route passer. Um, Just a guy that's got really sneaky good athleticism, too. You never know. But right here, I'm having them take a corner, um, reminiscent of the Legion of Boom. And I'm going to have them go here with Derek Stingley. Yep, there he is. He's my favorite cornerback in the draft, corner, CB, corner, because of his story and his style of play as well. He's a scrappy guy. He's a quick guy uh, on the edge there uh, playing next to the sideline. I like Stingley the most. Why do you like him at 9 to the Seahawks? I Honestly, I can't say enough about the kid's ball skills. There's been a lot of people ripping on him about this past year and this yeah. past year's production. Yeah. You have to remember that LSU has undergone a huge change yes. in their system, and you have to under, understand that they've gone, undergone a huge turnover in terms of their players within the past couple of years as well. So I think S- Seattle's a perfect place for Stingley. They value corners unlike any other team, as they have shown in the past. Um, pair him with Jamal Adams in that secondary. and they, they Realistically, Seattle has a lot of places they can go, but I think this is a great fit for them, and I think he'll be ranked highly on their board. The New York Jets, their second pick of the first 10, they pick at number 10. Who do you have? Drake London, wide receiver. Yep, there USC. he is. There he is. A lot of people have him as the best wide receiver in the draft. Yep. You went with Wilson as the best wide receiver in the draft, or at least someone to go first overall. Why do you like London at this position? You just invested in a quarterback, in Zach Wilson, a guy that struggled, get him some help. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I can tell you, is yeah. that they, they drafted Elijah Moore last year, they brought in Corey Davis, who needs to stay healthy, but you need that X wide receiver, that true X that's going to go up and get the ball for you and then be a threat in the red zone. I think he has the ability to do that. So they – oh, keep going. No, I mean, London is – London's that guy. I mean, if you want somebody like, I don't know, uh, a jump ball receiver like Kyle Pitts, like I said, for Atlanta, or you want like a Devontae Adams who's a do-it-all kind of guy – He's going to be your guy on the outside to go up and get it for you. There is your top 10, Walker, Hutchinson, Iguanu, Gardner, Neal, Cross, Thibodeau, Wilson, and then you said Stingley, and then Drake London. That is the top 10 from Matthew Swanson. And, Matt, now we're going to get into the Wisconsin market and the Green Bay Packers. This is what we specialize in. This is what we specialize in. Hey, Lambeau Field is just down the road. From SNC Radio Studio. So, with that, Green Bay Packers have five picks in the first three rounds. Two in the first, two in the second, one in the third. And we can go, you know, we can go farther into that too if you have any certain names in the fourth round or the fifth round that you think can go. But we'll just focus on these first five picks for now. And we'll get into it 
uh, with the Green Bay Packers, who their first-round draft picks are at 22 and 28. Matthew Swanson, I'll turn it over to you. Who do the Packers go to? And, of course, all of this matters on who's still there yeah. at these picks. But who do you have going to the Packers in your mock draft? So let me start by asking you guys a question. What do you guys like in the first round? What are you What are you thinking right now is essential? Listen, I've been saying this for weeks and weeks now. Every single year, how many people within Packers Nation say they're going to take a first-round wide receiver this year? And how many times has it happened? None. At least in the last two decades it hasn't happened. And why would this year be any different? I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm not saying, you know, you have to get that first-round wide receiver to really compete this year. I'm not saying that. So I'm not mad at it, but they're not going to take a wide receiver in the first round. I, I bet money on it. Yeah. I would bet money on it. And so I say they go offensive tackle, then they go defensive tackle. That's what I have in the first first round. But, uh, yeah. I, I would kind I of agree. I mean, I think I said this on the last show we had, but this upcoming season they have to re-sign Jair Alexander, yeah. Adrian Amos, and Elton Jenkins. Yep. That's a lot. That's a lot of talent to re-sign. So I really see them targeting potentially a Adrian Amos replacement and a safety, and then probably getting offensive line help because if they don't get Bakhtiari back, he's if he keeps having that fluid come back into his knee, and Elton Jenkins is going to take time to recover. That's going to be a lot of you know ground to cover that they, they really need to to target that. I think it's also important to know that Sammy Watkins, who they signed, has a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about the future. Is it going to be something where Watkins impresses and then gets himself another contract with the Packers? Or are the Packers going to take two wide receivers, three wide receivers in this draft and hitch their wagon to them for the next couple of years? I think that's interesting to watch. I also want to say this before we get into your picks, Swan. I would be shocked. I'd say I'd bet money that they don't take a wide receiver in the first round. I would also bet money on the fact that they are not going to make all five of these picks as they have them in the first three rounds. Year after year, without fail... And I say this in kind of a negative tone. I don't mean it in a bad way. But just without fail, the Packers trade away some of their picks. You yes. know, they move back in the draft every single year. Mm-hmm. And with five picks in the first three rounds, why would this year be any different? I would be shocked if they make both of their picks in the first round and both of their picks in the second, not to mention their third round pick. They're going to move back at some point. I'm with you on that. We discussed the depth of the draft earlier. I mean, you look at 28, prime position to trade up late yeah. for a quarterback in the first round. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, really intriguing spot for most teams. And what you could do is you could end up with, say, three second round picks right? and then diversify those and how you use those. I think, I honestly, I don't think that's an unrealistic option. And then you play around on day two, you get a bunch of prospects and it's going to be the same thing. Are you going to yeah. hit or are you going to miss? Yep. Yeah. That's just about who you like, the system you have in place. Um, a lot of scouts that I talk to say the success of a player is not dependent on the player itself, but the success of the player is dependent on the scheme and the environment you put them in. And I think that's really wise words because you've seen a lot of good, talented players go into a lot of bad schemes and fail. Right. It's always like that question of like whether or not in the position you take the best person the time you're up or the best fit. That's always such a battle. Like yeah. it, because sometimes taking the better person is the best choice. But scheme fit is so important too. Yes. That we we really need to consider that as well. And I, I'm kind of already settling with the fact that we're going to see a wide receiver on day two at probably the best. Okay. If not worse, that's yeah. kind of mm-hmm. what I'm imagining. I like that. I'm guessing second round receivers. I, I don't know. We'll see. So with that, at number twenty two, Matthew Swanson, make a pick. Oh, 
no, I don't want to. No, I, now my now my now my mock <laughs> He's gonna is gonna go wide uh, receiver after we just blasted them not taking a wide now, receiver. No, now my mock is crumbling in my head. No, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, you, uh, tell us we're wrong. Go with your instinct, man. Tell us we're wrong. On our show. On our show. Tony show. <laughs> I really want to tell you you're wrong, but go for it. Okay, uh, at 22, I'm gonna go with a guy that not many people are mocking them. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Daxton Hill safety out of michigan he's a corner he can play in the slot he checks the box of being in the big 10 i'm sorry like this is just a guy that they're gonna love and i have a feeling that honestly adrian amos is 31 years old mm-hmm. last year the packers saw the forthcoming of jamal williams or aaron jones exiting potentially what are they going to do next year they're going to probably be only able to keep one of their safeties who fills that hole? Who fills that void? Do you have anybody there? And as of right now, no, they do not. And Amos has been a stud, too. They're not saying that he's playing bad. But, no. But it's it just that age thing you have to consider, right? It's a business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, excellent point. I, I couldn't agree more it's with that you roommate on that chemistry. Level. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, guys, the volatility of this draft is insane. It's nuts. It's nuts. So that's just a, a name I'm throwing out there. Now with number 28. We've gone safety at number 22. Number 28. Who is that? Near end first round draft pick for the Packers. George Karloftis. Defensive end Purdue. The human jackhammer. <laughs> a guy that from the moment I watched his film, I was like, he needs to be on the team that I like. In other words, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I just, I love the guy, man. The energy that he plays with in the motor, it's all there. He's said by his coaches to be the hardest working guy in the room. The guy that's in the first one in, the last one to leave. A weight room nut. You watch him jackhammer tackles into the backfield, and you're like, I need this guy on my team. Think about how that would free up not only Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, but Kenny Clark. I mean, please get him some help. Mm-hmm. I've been begging for this for the Packers for years as a, as a fan and as a scout and trying to be professional in what I think they need. They need to get him some help on that defensive line, and they've done so, uh, signing Jerron Reed, mm-hmm. who I think will be an excellent counterpoint, but please get somebody on the edge that has some talent and some upside. You have Dean Lowry, you had Tyler Lancaster, two guys that are serviceable players but weren't getting it done. I've been saying it for years, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Tyler Lancaster on mm-hmm. your defensive line. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Like just looking, you know, the last 10 years and kind of seeing, you know, 10 years ago, Green Bay had this offensive, you know, powerhouse built. And every year we're like, gosh, get them some defensive help. Come on, come on, help them, help. And they would almost never go toward, you know, his offensive lineman every time in the first round. Yeah. It was just irritating. And now we're just on the flip side of that. Now it's like we have this defense built, and you have to choose between trying to help the offense or building the defense with the young guys to keep the defensive, you know, dominance there. Yeah. It's it's a it's a battle, really, because they need offensive weapons desperately. Yeah. But you got to pick and choose, right? Yeah, exactly. Tone, who did you have for your first two picks? So you talked about who you liked. What, what did you have at 22 and 28? At 22, you know, I said this when we started talking about this, their offensive tackle and defensive tackle at 22 and 28. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they went with Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, if he's there, someone that a lot of people have in the first uh, 20 picks. And then I really love Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia, if he's there. Good. I like those. So I have a question for you guys, mostly Swan, but Tony, you can <laughs> you can uh, chime in as well. Sure. Where do you put the probability that uh, Jordan Love is no longer a Packer come draft night. Do you think they trade him right away? I've been hearing things about this, actually. I think that there is 
uh, and I don't know what merit there is to it, but there are rumors going around that the Packers are flirting with, you know, potential interest in Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. I think, let me put it this way, I think the probability that they offload Jordan Love is greater than the probability of them drafting another quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> wow, hot take. Thank you, thank you. That's a real hot take, Tony. Thank you. Yep. Wow, I am mind blown right now. Um yeah, I, I think anything's on the table, to be honest with you. You, you look at Rodgers, you just signed him to a contract. Honestly, what's Love going to do? And right. Yeah. Are you still viewing the window as open for a championship or closed? I mean, it's it comes down to that. And I think Love is expendable. I think you can get some value for him. And mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think Green Bay would have signed Rodgers to an extension had they known Love was the guy. Yeah. And maybe he does need more time. I'm not ripping on him. I'm not mm-hmm. one of those fans that says, or guys that says, oh, he's terrible. Get him off the team. Trade him away. If he's a valuable asset to your team, he's expendable. But I'm not going to say that he's not a good pro yet because we haven't seen enough of him. Right. And to that point, that kind of makes him valuable. Yes. Nobody's really seen how either good or either bad he is. Yeah. And, you know, if he doesn't pan out, well, then we could trade him now and get a, you know, maybe a second or third rounder i don't know whatever he's worth maybe he's worth a, f- a first round of some teams who who can say really but i think with signing rogers as a fan trying to remain unbiased here but i'd be i'm gonna be really really mad if they don't trade jordan love and i and i don't dislike love but if they're investing in rogers they need to go full on yes there's no point in keeping him on the bench i think there's total validation to your argument there i think I'm going to go against you, Will. I think there is validation to keeping him on the bench because instead of bringing in another quarterback, now you have someone who's known the offense for the last couple yeah. of seasons, who has been coached under Rodgers for the last couple of seasons. At least that's what you'd like to think in theory. Don't you it's, want to win now, though? I mean, like, I don't... Yeah, and you... But you already have 11 draft picks this year. Yeah. Plus, like I said, what are you going to do if you get rid of him? Allow Kurt Bankard to be the backup quarterback? Sure. Because then, God forbid, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, and now... Someone with a sub sixty rating in Madding gets subbed into your offense. <laughs> I let's sign, I, let's, I sign let's sign Matt Flynn. I don't there's, know. There's yeah. Bring, I love Bankert too. He's great. But. I, I you know great personality, great person guy. But I think ability wise, I think your best bet is to probably stick with Jordan Love on your bench, and whatever happens happens because you have someone who knows the offense sitting on the bench in case, you know, God forbid something happened to Aaron Rodgers. So if we're in Madden and you can turn the injuries off, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. trade them then? Yeah. Okay. Yep, exactly. <laughs> okay. That, that, hey, that's you like that. trick of the trade right I'm there. only bringing in the most authentic stats that I can think of. In Madden, <laughs> he was graded at like 56 or something like that. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Tone, great take though. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one too, honestly. He's a guy that, again, we haven't seen him. We don't know what his potential is and who knows. Mm-hmm. Maybe, again, like Brett Favre against the – Dallas Cowboys back in the day gets mm. hurt. Jordan Love comes in like Aaron Rodgers did back in the day and takes over and maybe shows us something. You never know. Why couldn't he had a you know franchise record setting six touchdown game, passing touchdown game like Matt Flynn did before uh, he went off and signed with the Seahawks? We could have traded him then right after that. That is true. Matt <laughs> Flynn. I'm looking back on that. I think I was talking to somebody about this not too long ago. He fleeced the Seahawks yeah, for $15 million. Yeah, he did. Million. I think you were telling me about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He actually commented on a tweet, and somebody said, somebody tweeted, quote, end quote, 
you remember when Matt Flynn fleeced the Seahawks for $15 million, and then Matt Flynn proceeds to comment, yes, that was fun, (laughs) ha-ha. He knows. He knows. It's a business, and he got what he he got. He was the hot hand at the time. He got what he figured he was worth. Now, with that, let's keep moving forward here. You got something, Will? Yeah, just... Just so you're ready when they trade him, you can you can apologize later. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll, I'll handwrite you a letter. And yeah, apologize. you better. In the second round, the Packers pick at 53 and 59. 53 was acquired from Las Vegas, as was 22 for the Devonte Adams trade. So at 53 and 59, who do you got for the Packers? I think 53. If I could have them trade up here, I would. Mm, okay. I'd say you package a fourth, you maybe package your third, and you go up and get a wide receiver. I, I like that. I think that's. A, I'm with you. I think that's a great idea. If you guys, if the listeners on this show, the great Tony G show, get a chance, worldwide listeners, worldwide, yeah, worldwide listeners is right. Um, get a chance to look at the past Packers history of third round draft picks. It is awful. It is terrible. They have not hit in the third round for years, and I'm not. Josiah DeGuara. Yeah, I'm not a guy of superstition, but if I'm them, I'm get, I'm getting rid of this pick. You move up and you get Jahan Dotson from Penn State. This is a guy, in my opinion, is the best hands catcher in the draft. And this is what you want in wide receivers. You don't want guys like Geronimo Allison, even MVS, guys that catch with their body and they're Mm -hmm. very unreliable. You want a guy with natural hands. And that, from my scouting experience, is something that cannot be stressed enough. And there are so few of these guys out there. That's why I fell in love with Justin Jefferson and in his draft class called him the number one overall wide receiver at the time. Great route runner, great hands catcher. Both things transition really well to the NFL game. Yeah, look where he is now. I mean, probably might be the best receiver in his class. Yeah, he's up there. He definitely is. I, yeah, 100%. And, so. and to your point, you can get you know receivers like Geronimo Allison and MVS are great receivers to have on a team. Yeah. But a, a person who uses their body most of the time to catch, you know, that that's somebody who's going to be kind of over the top speed. And you, you need somebody who's a route runner, really, to, to be the, the cornerstone of that offense. Yeah, and that's what Dotson basically identifies as. He's phenomenal. And this is a guy that I've loved throughout the draft process. process excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to use my words. There you go. Um, and cannot stress enough. I, I think he deserves a lot more recognition than he's getting, and he potentially maybe is one of those sneaky guys that goes higher than people expect. So, and I want to ask, just for clarification quickly, you say they're going to move up. Is this late first round or early second that they're moving up? I think you you move up into the mid to early second round. Okay. Yes. Just for clarification's sake there. Yep. And then the next pick for the Green Bay Packers in that second round. So this would be their fourth pick at number 59. Okay, this is a guy that, again, checks the Big Ten box for uh, the Packers, especially within recent years. I'm going to go with Nicholas Petit-Ferie, uh, offensive tackle from OSU, a guy that was a five-star guy coming out of high school, very good in tangibles and ability. I mean, you don't get ranked five stars for nothing. So he's a guy that still has to develop a little bit, but it's what the Packers can afford to take on. I mean, look at they took David Bakhtiari in the fourth round, and they said he had to develop too. Mm. Comes in, has a Pro Bowl at very least level season, and an all-pro career eventually, a year later. So this is a guy that I can definitely see the Packers taking a flyer on, and this is ultimately the second, third, and fourth rounds, is that's what you do. You bet on physical traits and abilities. You don't bet, per se, on technique. Those guys are 
reserved more for the first round, even though they still have to develop. So this guy is, he has length, he's tall, um, he's pretty solid pass protection, disregard the Michigan game from last year. Um, <laughs> but I mean, he's a guy that I can definitely see them taking. And then at 92, this is the third round pick that the Packers have. This will be their fifth pick. Who do you have at 92? Available, at least, that you think the Packers will take. Kate Otten, tight end, mm. University of Washington. Yes, they need to fill that tight end hole. Yes, they do. So, I mean, this is a position that's up in the air for them. He's a great run blocker, a guy that brings some nasty to his game, reminds me of Mercedes Lewis. And the one thing that I love about Otten is that he's very untapped in the pass game. He was not utilized highly in college by the University of Washington. The last good tight end they had was probably Austin Safarian Jenkins, who had some off-the-field issues and didn't come out till later. But Otten is some guy that I, again, have fallen in love with in the pre-draft process, and I think he, I, I hope he's available then. Um, we'll see. Again, like we said, volatility of the draft is in question, but mm-hmm. he's one of those tight ends that I think could really contribute early on. I think at 92 they go with safety. Uh, you know, you had the safety going in the first round. I think they wait until the third round and go with Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. If really? There. You yes. like Cook? I do like Cook. Okay. All I think right. he's a third-round type of guy. Yeah. And I, I think the probability that he's there for the Packers at 92 is probably very high. Is there anyone above the first five picks that we've made here? They have two in the fourth, one in the fifth, and then three in the seventh. Any other names you want to throw out there? Or should we just leave it where it's at? I, I think another name that you can look at um, in terms of safeties is JT Woods out of Baylor. Mm. It's a guy that um, we try to get for the Hula Bowl, and we actually scouted pretty hard. Um, and he was with us until like the very last week, but eventually he got moved up to the um, East-West Shrine game um, and actually balled out, played really well. Another guy that I'd say that you have to look at in the mold of Jordy Nelson, many are saying, is Alec Pierce. I think he's a really? very attractive asset. Um, yeah, he's he's a deep threat. I mean, it's a guy, it's a burner the Packers are looking for, a guy that can take the top off the defense. He's big, too. Needs work route running. Hands are pretty good, but his ability to get up and get the football in jump ball situations is really spectacular as well. He has really good body control coming down from the catch. So, With that, that is the... First couple of picks that we have that the Packers are going to do. We've done the first 10 in the draft, then we've done the Packers picks. Now we're going to transition into the quarterbacks in the draft. Before we do that, just want to remind you, you can catch anything Tony G Show at TonyGNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at TonyGNation. Follow Will on Twitter at Willis5312. And follow Swan on Twitter at, what is it, Matt Swan, Swanny Swanson or something like that? Matt M. Matt Swan 14. At Matt M. Swan 14. Matt M. See, it's the second M that throws me off. Yeah, it's also not my middle initial either, so it's just in there. You just just threw that in there? Okay, fair enough. So let us know what you think as well at uh, TonyGNation.com or all the Twitter feeds as well. So moving on to the quarterbacks in the draft, there are about five or six that are really worth mentioning. And it's interesting because it's not a quarterback-heavy draft. You know, not too many people have many quarterbacks going in that top 10 sphere. So it's not a very quarterback-dominant draft in terms of depth, but also in terms of talent. There's no real franchise guy that is just evident is going to be like the next uh, insert big-name quarterback like Cam Newton when he was still, when he started out with Carolina or like Trevor Lawrence is touted to be. There's not really a name that sticks out from the pack. So, Swan, I want you to rank your top five, maybe top six names that you think are worth mentioning and watching in the draft for quarterbacks. Okay, you want me to just go through the list really quick, and then we can have a discussion based I'd love off that. of it? Okay. Absolutely. All right, so one, I'm going to go with Malik Willis. Yeah, a lot of people have him at the top yeah. of the list. Two, Kenny Pickett. Yes, yep. Three, Desmond Ritter. 
Love him. Yeah. Four, Matt Corral, mm-hmm. and then five, Sam Howell. Yep, yep. That's the top five. I think I like Pickett the most. Also like Willis. Also like Corral. I think Ritter is a good wild card. I don't know that he gets drafted and starts for a franchise right now, but I could see it. And then Howell, I mean, from his North Carolina roots, he has a very comparable body stature to Baker Mayfield. Don't know if I really buy into Howell just yet, but I mean, you know, it's, that's the name of the game. You don't really know. So for your number one overall, Malik Willis out of Liberty. Yeah. Just a guy, again, you're, you're drafting guys for potential and projection. Mm-hmm. You're not really drafting them per se for what they can contribute now, but what they can contribute down the road. So, I mean, look at Peyton Manning. His first year he had, what, 20 interceptions in the league? Yeah. And now he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Malik Willis is a guy that I compare to Steve Air McNair, and a lot of people have made mm-hmm. this comparison earlier. He's a guy from a smaller school with a rocket arm, great mobility, um, really good potential there. Um, I think he's just – He's a guy that you look to develop and say, hey, this guy could be a star for our franchise. So um, I'm I'm pretty high on him. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I like his potential. Mm-hmm. So, And he could, again, go anywhere in the draft. Let's. I have a question that I'm going to compare your one and two picks, Willis and Pickett. Yeah. So let's go talk Talk to me about why you put Pickett at two. Okay. And, so, then, we'll, and then I'll ask you about this. Yeah, perfect. So Kenny Pickett. Pittsburgh. Okay. Pitt. Pitt, yes. Had a phenomenal season last year. Came out of nowhere in a lot of people's eyes, especially yeah, with mine the, too. what was it, the, the fake pump slide. I think everybody <laughs> saw that on Twitter and just went kind of berserk for him. But he uh, he's a great, great just game management type quarterback. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative connotation at all. I think he's a guy that, that can contribute early. And in my eyes, he's the most pro-ready quarterback in yeah. this list. And people are knocking him for his ceiling. They're saying he's reached his ceiling. Again, remember, no quarterbacks reach his ceiling. He still has ability. Um, the ability still is not as high as Willis's. Let me ask you about this. So here's the question I wanted to pose. You know, Tony G does his homework. Matt Swanson always does his homework. He doesn't have to brag about it. Tony G only does it some of the time. So when I do it, I brag about it. Tony G does his homework for this one. And I found out that a lot of people have a knock on Willis and have an extra plus sign by Pickett for this reason. The offense that was run at Liberty and Pitt were both different. Pitt had a lot of NFL concepts in their offense, and Liberty had some rudimentary feats in their offense that weren't necessarily consistent with how the pros do it in the NFL. Does that at all weigh into your decision of where these guys are or how high you put them? I think it plays a factor, yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I think it, it, it shows you how a quarterback can take in information in a split second. It, it's definitely a factor. You, ha- you have to look at it. But the one thing, too, is that when you draft a quarterback, you're going to mold the offense to his needs, not the other way around. You're not going to make the quarterback fit into your system. You're not going to fit a square peg in a round hole. You're yeah. going to adhere that system to that quarterback. And I think you see that a lot now with the likes of Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, guys that can run, um, and guys that are versatile in their game. Uh, Again, Willis, rocket arm, solid potential. So in a sense, he might be a little bit more malleable than a guy you look at in terms of between looking at him and Pickett. So, I mean, you can mold him to the offense that you're running as well. Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati has good athleticism, has a decent size. You put him at three. Yeah. Why? There was a podcast that I was listening to. It was called Draft Dudes Podcast, and I don't know if I can give them a shout-out, but they yeah, had 
Carson Palmer's brother on there, Jordan, and Jordan works with quarterbacks. Mm. And it's a great podcast. He breaks down how quarterbacks generate power from their feet and how essential their posture is to generating that power and putting velocity and spin on the ball. So there's a whole science behind it. It's spectacular. Listen to it. Um, He talked a lot about Ritter and Ritter's character and Ritter's work ethic and the untapped potential that Desmond Ritter has as a guy that's taller and a guy that has the ability with that length and that size and that athleticism to generate more torque in his throw. So one of the knocks on Ritter is his accuracy down the field. Um, Palmer has said that he's improved drastically. And I don't. I think the one thing you can't buy in Ritter and any other player is his ability to lead mm. and also his athleticism as a bigger quarterback. So um, he's got some really intriguing intangibles. I think some team is probably going to fall in love with him. So... Matt Corral from Old Miss. A lot of people that, and this is just another case where, you know, I trust what you say because yeah. you know what you're doing. But it's another case where you have put Matt Corral, someone who a lot of people have pegged as maybe one of the best quarterbacks in this draft, like the top one or two. You have him pegged towards four in your list. Why is that? Um, I'd say that the reason why I put him there is because I believe, again, you, I see more Baker Mayfield than him. Mm-hmm. He's He's very, like, He's a leader. He's a passionate quarterback. I, I love that about him. I do. Um, but there are some off-the-field concerns with him and questions about him partying at school, um, him going out and just not being as responsible as potentially yeah. he should be. Um, so that automatically is a quarterback. I mean, we saw it with Johnny Manziel. Um, we're seeing it a little bit with Baker now. Um, ha- ha- has some concern. Um, again, though, I mean, we're college students too. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, come on! You cannot expect yeah. a kid to be like just perfect. Eight like thirty bedtime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, are, are you, well, when have we ever done that? <laughs> Never. <laughs> not once. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not knocking on the guy, and I don't know him personally, so I can't knock on him. That's just some stuff that I have heard. Um, and also, I uh, one of the things that I concern myself with is his ability to throw the deep ball. Old Miss is a very horizontally attacking offense for lack of a better term i studied one of their players Dontario drummond who is a sleeper in the draft and who i love um but it's all a lot of it's the majority of it is crossing routes and corral has phenomenal strength can drive the ball from hash to hash in short to intermediate situations down the field he's a little bit more questionable he has the power to do it but does he have the accuracy Nah, that's a different yeah. question. Mm-hmm. So. I love. I get a kick out of this. I get a nice little chuckle because you've done it. I've done it as well. Where like the comparison for a failed quarterback is Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you said it about Matt Corral. I've said it about Sam Howell. I'm not big on Sam Howell, but a lot of people are. They haven't pegged to go maybe the first two rounds. What do you think of uh, Sam Howell out of UNC? Sam Howell. (laughs) Hand in the air for Matt Swan. I got nothing. I got nothing. (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, Howell, again, first couple years at North Carolina, everybody was ranting and raving about how he was going to be the first overall pick when he first came out. Yeah. A lot of hype. And honestly, they've turned that North Carolina program around substantially within the past couple years, and it's been incredible to watch. And Howell's been a big part of that. He's just got, in my, my mind, in terms of his size, his athleticism, He's pretty limited in terms of a prospect, yeah. uh, in terms of his potential to grow into something that's far greater and far beyond what we could have ever imagined. 
and he has the ability to come in and contribute and he's proven that he's a smart tough guy with leadership qualities that you desire in a quarterback and he's a great guy you could bring into your room and I'm not doubting his ability to succeed at all but the reason why I have him positioned as low as he is is because of that limited ceiling and that decently high floor yeah um I I I don't knock the kid at all for anything um but yeah so that's that's where I have him and this will be a statement that we can either talk about or just leave it as be. I know Swan and I have talked about it before, but this draft really piques my interest because this probably has the highest potential for quarterbacks to fall further and further and further into the draft. We'll see a couple of them go probably in the top 10, but I think out of this draft, we're going to see a couple quarterbacks fall into that situation where they're just like with the best team that they possibly could have fallen with and Bingo. build a career Bingo. rather than, you know, you have the Trevor Lawrence going at number one in Jacksonville, which is probably the worst situation he could be thrown into. And his career is basically wasted for the first four years. Yes. And we can, I think it's pretty likely we're going to see one of these guys fall into one of the best teams they could have gone to and have a really good career. 100%. And I know we've talked about that. I, I, I couldn't agree more on that at all. I mean, that's that's a great point. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks of past. I forgot how many failed top 10 quarterback picks there have been. Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck is no longer in the league. Robert Griffin III. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they had failed careers, but they just haven't panned out. Right. What's another group of quarterbacks that you can Baker? <laughs> Baker's becoming on that list. Right. I mean, you can't deny it. Cam Newton. Josh yeah. Rosen. Yep. So, D- yeah. It, it, it's all about the situation and the scheme you fall into, man. Right. And they... Obviously, those early round teams try to build a team around that quarterback, but it just seems that if you fall to a team where it's already there, yeah, boom, you got your first year right away. You can start, you know, building that confidence in that rookie, and I, I feel like that's going to happen. It'll take a couple years for us to know for sure, but I think out of any draft, this is more likely we're going to see some long term talent yeah. in the quarterback position. Yeah, for sure. And one one team that I'm really looking at in terms of that aspect to fall, um, to have a guy fall is Pittsburgh. I know they just signed Trubisky, mm-hmm. um, but you can fall into that situation with Mike Tomlin, man. That's a Beautiful. coach that I don't think gets enough respect around the league for who he is as a person yeah. and also what he does. Um, but whoever goes into that situation is going to have one heck of an offense to mm-hmm. usher into and take advantage of. Or even Tampa, really. I mean, yeah, you sit behind Tom Brady for one year and, and yeah. get that experience and, you know, have all those guys get lured to the team through Brady. And exactly. That could be, you know, again, he wouldn't play this year, obviously, but next year maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> That's if Tom Brady calls it quits after this year. That's true. Yeah, which we never know is a, is a given. But we've reached the end of what we have Planned out in our show plan. Is there anything else you want to mention? Any other names you want to get off your chest? Any other teams? Any other trades you think are going to happen? Anything else from the prediction land of NFL draft coming up today? Yeah, I kind of just... Actually, it's not on the draft, but no, I just want to reflect on our past four years here. So we started in the studio together. I was going to do the same thing, yep. Uh, The four four goons here coming into the studio. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know what you would refer us to other than misfit kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Came in here and started a show. Um, table used to be against the other wall. Yeah, exactly. it used to be a countertop. A yeah. whole, whole two studio. countertops. Yeah, yeah. kick and, things kick things off. But it's it's been a beautiful four years here between mm-hmm. you guys, uh, myself, Matt Weaver. Um, we did some really good things here, and I can't wait to see what you guys do in the future. You guys are building on Likewise. a lot here. Yeah, same to you. And, and kicking butt, and I, I don't think none of us, either of us, could have imagined where we'd be. Four years ago to now, no. I, I don't. I don't think it's even possible. I remember that first. I remember the first day that we had a show. The night before we were planning, 
and we were in, we were in Weaver's the, room. Yeah. I forget who his roommate was, but I don't know who it was. But Harrison we were, Kibbe, he's no longer here, but a great guy. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Well, we were in his room planning, and I remember the next morning, it was a sunny morning, and we're walking here, and I think... The doors were locked. Yes, we- it was a 7.30 <laughs> show. Oh, yeah, I remember we that. We scheduled our time in SNC Radio, the studio, because you have to sign up for a time, just as these little shrimpy freshmen that we were. We signed up for a time, and the building that SNC Radio Studios is in was locked. So we couldn't do our show on time. We're sitting here advertising, or what, whatever it was, 7.30, 8, 8 o'clock show, and we couldn't have a show. <laughs> it was locked. I think also... I. I think I sent it to you. I don't know if I sent it to Swan, but I have a memory of us. From, remember we did those Water Joe ads? I yes. do remember that. I still have those and, on yeah. my computer. Somewhere. Uh, do you really? mention them now? Yeah. Is it, I don't, is it, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, shout cares? out yeah. early sponsor, Water Joe. Yeah. Only sponsor. No yeah, shout out. Only sponsor. <laughs> no free shout You know But, oh, but we've... I, I don't, you might remember, but we've messed up the, the live ad you reading. You just sent me this yeah. the other day on Snapchat. So funny. Oh, we laughed so hard. That was <laughs> I just put my hand, my head right into my hands. I was like, we've... <sighs> these guys are, Golden you moments. know, they're part of our sponsors, and he's up there botching the read, yeah. and we're all laughing. Tone's like, oh, like what right. did I get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> Man, good memories. And then the, st- the studio reconfigurations, too, from, like we said, the two yep. like countertops mm-hmm. to the table right down the middle oh, to yeah. what we have it now. Yep. Jeez. Yeah. Nice fancy table. So, so for those out there uh, that are listening to this, uh, if you get a chance to shout out to Tony and G- Tony G and Will, do it. Because they put a lot of hard work uh, into this, they've done a lot of work, and somebody better give Tony G a shot here somewhere. <laughs> Still unemployed after graduation. He, hey, you're gonna be fine, man. You're yeah, gonna I'm make not it too far and do it. some great things. So, God has a plan, so yes. we'll see. Well, I'll, I'll end true. up somewhere. Um, I did want to say, uh, oh yeah, special shout out to Mike Counter because yes. we're having this nostalgia. One of the first episodes that we had, yeah. we had Mike Counter on the How show. Can you not? And I just had a discussion. I met with. Uh, Mike about exactly a week ago last Wednesday I was having a conversation with him in his office so shout out to him for what he's done in our careers at SNC Radio mm-hmm. and then you guys obviously went on and continued to carry on the core four had guests like Rob Domofsky and we're yep. really carrying that on yep. and we're doing great things with that so it's weird that it's coming to an end here I mean after yeah, today crazy. there's only two more episodes of the Tony G show that's before it. Will and I ride off into the sunset mm-hmm. a Jason Finder episode next Tuesday and then the last episode with just you and me on next Thursday crazy stuff mm. sad stuff very sad, sad. Stuff. but on to new beginnings bittersweet new beginnings mm-hmm. on the horizon so I guess that'll do it for today's episode thanks again for the time Swan your insight is always so great and uh, we appreciate your time uh, Will McCormick, they, a huge shout out to Will McCormick for producing. No. The guy offers himself to come in here and just give his time and produce and hit all the buttons and make sure that it's we fun. sound good. So thank you to those two as well. Thanks to Tony G Nation for tuning in. And we'll see you next week for the last week of shows, the Tony G Show.